0: Pablo. Hello. Hello. I have a party gift for you. I have a gift for you. What, what, what you got? To commemorate our week. I have, I made something special for you. Oh, it's is a cupcake.
1: Is it's it, a cupcake. Is it really? Is it really? It's a cupcake. It's wait, a real Other cupcake. way, other way. I gotta, well, wait, what? Uh, oh, there it is. It's a cupcake. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey. The, yeah. You see what's hey! on the front? Yeah. Yep. That, It's aww, a, a pee. It's the a podcast it's, oh, audience. Oh, I oh, guess, I guess it's a P, it's I, P. I was really an. it's, it's a nine. Cause you're one of my nine favorite people on debatable, but that's, that's, but it's, yeah, no, it's a P. It's a P. Yes. Pablo. That makes sense too. There we go. Alabaster. Did you have anything to do
2: with this? I did not. I was looking on with bated breath for what the gift was going to be. <laughs> um, let's talk some hoops guys. And I had the question all set up. Have you given up on the Mavericks this season, but on the fly, Going to cross out this season. And the question is Have you given up on the Mavericks?
1: So, oh, as a general principle, <laughs> David, I feel like when the coach of a team says that we played like dog, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the answer should be to give up on them, just as a general principle. Like maybe it's motivational, or maybe it's a recognition of the fact that the Mavericks are not close to the nine best teams in the Western Conference. They are yeah. um, 11th, but the feeling around them, having just lost to the hornets on sunday is um yeah what's worse than dog they are that i think
0: yes they do not get a nine cupcake for their uh the way that they've been playing i'm you know i feel like it's just a standard rule that when you lose to the hornets twice in the course of a week or a few days and they really blew they like beat the hell out of the mavericks both games like they outplayed in both games they were up 21 the first game they look bad, and this is like a Hornets team that is a actively tanking, b yes. does not have its best players, and they looked like the better team. Yeah, it's it's done. It, this this team is done, and it's a, it's an incredible turn of events, especially from like just a few weeks ago when they were putting up 140, and it felt like. You know, there was the game. I think it was it gets against Philadelphia, where both Kyrie and Luca had forty points, and it was just like maybe they can, if they score enough, they can do something. But that's that's it, man. This is this is done. So the Hornets, to your point, we're
1: missing obviously Lamelo Ball, also Terry Rozier, um, and so the Mavericks have gotten worked by a bunch of dudes, man. <laughs> just like a bunch of dudes. And the thing about bunches of dudes is that in the NBA. Um, I no sport is more permissive of underperforming talent like the NBA, right? We talk about, it's a running joke on this program and every program that talks about basketball come the postseason, You need to figure out the math of who are the three best players on a plausible championship team. If I Mm -hmm. said a team had Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, you'd say, okay, in Luka, they have somebody who is capable of being the best player on a championship team with Kyrie. Mm -hmm. You have someone who's literally been the second best player on a championship team. So they should be Mm -hmm. in great shape, but here is Kyrie Irving going five for 15 against, again, the GD Hornets. And Luca is, you know, scoring 40, um, but is also exhibiting all sorts of press conference um, signs that his life beyond the court is like actively miserable. And so Kyrie, look, the Kyrie question, it's not just Kyrie, but it's also clearly not helping to have Kyrie, which means that Kyrie is a problem um in that championship
0: math well i mean and and also to your point about luca's uh demeanor he's got a 16 tech today so they're, they're gonna lose him uh for a game they also let's not forget lost to the warriors at home which is basically like <laughs> losing to the warriors at road it's basically losing to the hornets again yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like three straight losses to the hornets Um <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm however i will say that this is a Kyrie thing and it kind of is not though like it's a Kyrie thing and the fact that like Kyrie is not going to really make this team better but he never really was what they were looking for so I can't blame him for being traded into a position where they weren't set to win because they traded away kind of what they needed some 3 and D guys Mm -hmm. is what they need and they can't defend anybody and it's just Luka and Kyrie like they never fit and the trade never really made sense so it does you know Kyrie is not going to make this team better, but it's not really his fault because he was never, you know, positioned to be somebody who's make the team better. Like that was just never going to work.
1: So these are the numbers on it now, right? They're seven and 12 since Kyrie joined the Mavs. They're three and seven when Luca and Kyrie play. Look to your point, right? Their problem eternally with Luca has been defensive um, in nature. Like the mm-hmm. Kyrie not solving that problem. Um, the problem is always going to be, and Jason Kidd. Jason kidd has been a quote machine, by the way, this season, yeah, not only yeah. is he talking about how his guys don't have energy and they play like dog. Mm-hmm. Shit, he also said before, when they made the Kyrie trade about defense, we're just going to have to outscore the other team, mm-hmm. which is as funny an admission of like, we got nothing for you defensively as you can get on the record. And here they were scoring 104 points against the Hornets on Sunday. And so is Kyrie somebody who's miscast in this role? Sure no question like not a great fit but again I, I there's there's a question with Kyrie as always as to why the sum is not you know it's the whole thing of like this team should be greater than the sum of its parts like you have these players who f- not just fit but like can mm-hmm. make other people better and Kyrie's mm-hmm. just not that guy but but look Luka Doncic he had 40 12 and 8 in a losing mm-hmm. effort today like, as much, if we're going to assign blame to, like, who's underperforming, Kyrie's getting most of the pie. I don't think this is a team that was supposed to be a contender with Kyrie, but losing to the Hornets twice in a row amid all of this, shit, it's it's just sheer, again, sheer talent means that you should be beating these teams and they're not. And this is where this offseason, man, like, Look, talent again. The lure of talent in the NBA is unlike it is in any other sport. Kyrie will he get a shot somewhere, I believe he will. Will he get a max contract? Absolutely not. Are the Lakers going to really think about it anyway? <laughs> yes, they will because of obvious reasons. But his stock, Kyrie's stock as a player is so clearly it's so clearly where Jason Kidd had put his adjective for the overall <laughs> quality
0: of the team right now. Like I don't want him. I don't. I- Sorry. I don't know, man. I think in those locker rooms, like just the just in the locker rooms, Kyrie's just Teflon. Like he just the like he has a skill set to make these really tough shots and do things that like are that other players are in awe of best ball handler of all time. Yeah, like you know, best I think best offhand finisher we've ever seen. Totally. Yeah, we make makes makes these incredibly tough shots. And sometimes we're players that's really like what they're looking at. They're looking at somebody who is tough to guard, who, you know, like they can be hand in the face and he'll make the shot. And that's what they see. And like, though, as long as Kyrie keeps doing that, and despite his stats, despite the efficiency, despite, you know, the fact that like there are players who don't do things as fancily as he does, but get things done at, at a higher tick than he does, that those players will watch Kyrie Irving and say he does things that I can't do. I want him on my team and they'll go to the front office and ask him to be on the team. Like that's just going to be something that happens to Kyrie in perpetuity to like a year ago, players were in were outraged that he was not one of the 75 best players of all time. Yes, When there is no statistical reason at all that you can find for him to be anywhere near that number. And players were outraged over the fact that Kyrie was not there. Like he has conjured this respect from these players that, Will not go anywhere, and somebody's going to want him on their team. No, look, what he
1: is is super fun for even the players who mm-hmm. can do this stuff to watch, except when the
2: team that he's playing on is losing twice in a row to the Hornets. Alabaster, I want to pivot a little bit to the Luca side of this, yeah, and the more macro stuff of it, because those these Luca Doncic years are precious, and how you build around them. Is the window for Luka Doncic to be on a championship team with the Maps how they've played the last 12 months, is that window closed?
1: Mm, closed is so harsh. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to conjure now reasons to be optimistic. And look, David, here, there are three ways to get a second best player on a championship team. You draft them, you trade for them, you sign them as free agents. And do you think the Mavs are going to get one of those guys in one of those three ways before Luka Doncic is out of there, presuming he's out of there after this contract? That is the question in front of us.
0: Well, if they're an 11 seed with their record, season ends, they have a 1.5% chance of getting Wimbenyama, and I think that is the <laughs> best chance that they have of having somebody who was a championship companion to to Luka Doncic. Like, that's the best. They've traded too, much, too many assets for this Kyrie Irving thing, And if Kyrie goes at the end of this season, they are left with nothing and really no path to replace him. And I think that's going to be the big deal. And and obviously him and Trey Young are married, um, you know, narratively because of what happened on, you know, uh, in the draft. And the Mavericks have been as successful as the Hawks. Like they've been neck and neck in terms of team success. And at even the Hawks went out, uh, you know, and made some trades last season to put you know some you know puts uh, Murray right there right. with, yeah, with Trey yeah, Young, yeah. and have done a little bit of something. And they've actually kind of been a little bit better at at building around Trey Young, and at least they're in conversations for some of these uh, free agents when they come. We've talked about Jalen Brown being upset about about what's going on with the Celtics, and maybe him going there. Like they are in more conversations for help than than the doubt than the Mavericks have right now for Luka. I love and the the Jalen Brunson thing. Oh, Jalen Brunson thing!
1: I know. Like, there's. This is where the. This is where it's hard for me as a guy who didn't realize that Jalen Brunson was going to be this good to fully blame the Mavericks. But the Mavericks, I would argue. Um, this is where I will now be totally hypocritical. Um, the Mavericks at least had him in the building, man. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like you, how do you, he Jalen Brunson, who Luca was closest to among, uh, yeah. Bobon, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Bronson. That's the list for Tim Cato um, at The Athletic of Luka's uh, bros um, on the team last year. Um, maybe just make sure that the guy that you're losing to the Knicks um, isn't somebody who Luca might hold against you for losing. Um, like that basic sequence of events, make sure that you're not... Um, alienating your star player while also losing a guy who could score uh, 40 in a given night and also match with him fit wise.
0: You didn't, nobody thought Jalen Brunson would be this good, but you didn't have to think he'd be this good. You only (laughs) thought he'd have to be like half this good to be worth $55 million (laughs) over four years. Like that, like we all like everybody thought he was worth that contract, you know, like, and and it would have been an absolute bargain to have him in that contract. And we saw that list of players that Luca, Love playing with. This is the rare time where the superstar player as GM is doing better than what the actual <laughs> GM of a team is doing.
2: <laughs> Let's pivot to March Madness. Who's had the more impressive run in the tournament so far? UConn or FAU? Ooh. Are you going to say, okay, I think
1: it's insane to say anything but FAU. But David, I'm curious how you think
0: about this. i think thinking UConn. UConn smacked Gonzaga. Like they've been dominant and they sort of remind me – I mean, maybe it's a nostalgia thing because, like, I'm watching this tournament, and I'm like, there are teams and players I've never heard of. And it's like UConn. It's 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 familiar. It's cozy. It's like a jacket that you just had forever, and it just fits right. Just watching UConn dominate uh, and last longer than the women's team, which is, uh, I, you know, I wonder when the last time that has happened, that they've lasted longer than, than the women's basketball team. And they've been dominant. Of course, like, the first couple games were against – um, not great team, but what they did to Gonzaga is something that you just can't deny, and it looks like, I mean, if they're playing, well, I guess we'll know. But if they're playing Miami, I think that'll be, um, you know, a good game. But I mean, I think UConn has been just dominant over really good over a really great Gonzaga team.
1: As a graduate of
0: Davidson,
1: this is shocking to hear. The whole point of this tournament, David, is for the non-big brands to become our our sweetheart. Like I I I find it very unsatisfying for UConn, albeit a UConn team that is like certainly a relative underdog. But the point is, <laughs> even with all of those factors in place, this is UConn as Cinderella. FAU is a f- Cinderella, man. Come on, FAU, three hundred to one odds to win the championship—the second longest title odds um, if they were to win since seeding began um, in '79. Like I just, this is about. This is about brands to me. And UConn, sorry, man, you're still, you're a Walmart to me. This is the mom and pop shop that has one
0: store with one guy who has to close up every night. That's FAU. Well, you know what? When I need, when I, when I know that I'm going to get my hamburger helper, I'm going to Walmart because they're reliable (laughs) and I trust them. I trust UConn. I, I mean, the FAU thing is obviously an incredible story. But there's still this thing about the Cinderella teams and the way that they've been winning that feels just sort of like, like a, like a nice story. UConn feels like they're going to continue this story and win a championship. Like it feels more like when you dominate the best team, when you dominate the best offensive team, and you look like, I mean, we don't have teams anymore in the tournament that look like they're supposed to win a championship. No. Right now, we look we have a bunch of teams that look like they had like two or three good games. Or some luck broke their way. UConn looks like a team that is supposed to win a championship, and to me, that sort of just feels like what March Madness is all about. Like, it, like at the at this stage of March Madness, it's about teams that look like they should be champions. Well, look, th- this is
1: this is the record that they've had win margin-wise. Plus 24 beating Iona, plus 15 over St. Mary's, plus 23 over Arkansas, plus 28. And it was like 40 for most of the night uh, on Saturday yeah. against Gonzaga. is like a real good team, ready for the stage. But Alabaster, I, I FAU, man, Conference USA. Like, I, this is why, pit snoggle. I'm here to be pit snoggled. And, <laughs> and I, UConn isn't doing that.
2: I want to get I want to come back to FAU in a little bit, but I do want to ask if we have taken UConn's tournament dominance for granted, because if this was the Alabama team with Brandon Miller, if this was Duke with five stars everywhere, if this was Coach Calipari, we'd be like college basketball is back, but we have a blue blood who's actually doing it. Shouldn't we appreciate it? (sighs) Dominant. Look,
1: the argument here that you're making, both of you are now making, which I which I can understand, is that we should probably respect dominance of this degree. Like we're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who's good at basketball. UConn is clearly the best team in the tournament right now. Um, For that reason, yeah, I I think we are probably taking some of it for granted. They're a four seed, but they've also had a run. I mean, look, the question, David, this is the question, right? Like in a sport in which the coach... Is the only thing that endures, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Yukon, y- Jim Calhoun, there forever, right? The run that he had spanning generations, essentially. Um, for Yukon to do it in stores, Connecticut, a place that is admittedly probably hard to recruit than mm-hmm. wherever the hell Florida Atlantic is, um, that to me, demographically and geographically, admittedly, is very, very impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like I, I was just as enamored with Michigan State for their run, um you know, and just with Izzo, you know. Like I think that's what we have. That's all we have left right now. <laughs> to, like that's all the familiarity we have left is a coach and a brand, and you know these other teams are like they just don't. They feel like really cool stuff, but like at some point, the Cinderellas don't become Cinderellas anymore. If everybody's just a Cinderella team like we have you know the the tournament is nothing but upsets like there's there's no one standout squad that is doing this every team is being upset because and and UConn is standing above as the team that's like no at this point the only upset that'll happen to UConn is in in the the final like if they lose to Miami I think Miami is you know a solid enough team that they could lose to but if they go you know make it to the championship there's you know that would be a, an actual upset at this point to, for them to lose. That'd be the biggest upset you left know in the tournament. I now
1: realize why um, the answer should be UConn. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to your side of the aisle. It's okay. because we we need a Goliath. Yeah. And if if me answering yes to this question, who's more impressive, means that UConn suddenly gets to swagger around like a one seed who we respect, so that I can root against them to be upset by Florida Atlantic,
2: then that's more fun to me. I, I, I will self interestedly allow this check mark, yes. Well, let's get to the Florida Atlantic part of this really quick as a follow up. What will you actually think if they win the national championship? that first off that it's very funny that
1: people spend any amount of time before the tournament thinking about who's going to win the tournament (laughs) (laughs) it's always true like the the whole thing about how like you know the person in your office who doesn't pay attention to this is gonna win your pool there's a reason why that's actually real and it's because the engineering of the sport david is 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 not about what happens before this thing it's where you all are arriving As soon as you need to win a single elimination tournament, chaos, randomness machine.
0: Well, yeah, the thing that I would think if Florida Atlantic wins is I hope CBS, I hope like CSI Des Moines is breaking in ratings because they're gonna have a tough time selling that (laughs) national championship (laughs) uh, game. But that's probably the first thing I'm thinking. You know what I've I've been thinking about this, you know, a while. Like this feels sort of like the end of the upset era. You know, like it, mm. like there's – like when we're talking about – you know, like there was a discussion earlier about what was the biggest upset. And obviously, you know, Purdue losing was, was big in terms of a number one seed, things like that. But to me, like when I think about Duke losing to Lehigh at the time when they had all of these NBA stars and you lose – I mean, I just, obviously CJ McCollum, we didn't know what he would be. But you're sure. losing – that felt like a tectonic shift type of upset. Like that upset – Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was cracking jokes at Duke. This was like, you know, a legend, you know, legacy team losing, you know, getting upset. Now this year we have all of these upsets so often that there's not even time to sit around and like be wowed by it. And there's nothing to be wowed by. Like if I told somebody, you know, who's not watching this, Purdue lost to us, they'd be like, okay, I don't care. But like when you say Duke or UNC, or UConn, or these teams losing the first round, that still means something. And this season, this tournament itself, this year feels like the end of that time where the upsets were something that we all talked about for days and days at a time.
1: No, this is a great think piece now. We're going to title this The Death of Cinderella. There like we go. No one gets to be Cinderella anymore. A time yeah. in which we have now two 16 seeds. Look, the whole thing about me on Around the Horn, like always picking a 16 seed, was born of a, an understanding that it was always insane to me that this never happened. It, feel, it felt mathematically overdue. Yeah. But now what we're getting, to your point, is it's just it's just normal. No, I'm going to have to pick two, two 16 seeds, David, to make any sort of a splash go out on a limb next year. And the point is that we have never seen this amount of parody. And parody is a fun euphemism for mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not mediocre. We're we're
0: just very evenly distributed.
1: Well, it's like yeah. I mean, that's why it, you lose out on the David and Goliath dynamic.
0: Yeah, I mean, when 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 Duke lost, that that was like I think the second time a two seed had lost to the fifteen seed. I think it's happened like three times since then. You know, like there's just I mean, at this point, if I have showed the average person this Final Four bracket. And told them to pick, is this the NCAA Final Four or the NIT Final Four? (laughs) Like, there would be mass confusion all over the place. Like, this idea of we don't, you know, like, these teams that are going to make these incredible stories is going to be the thing that sells us on March Madness going forward. That's just not going to happen. I mean, like, we're talking about, obviously, we're talking about Davidson 15 years ago. We're talking about one guy who, like, became a megastar on this stage and beat a bunch of you know beat Gonzaga and beat Georgetown and almost made it to the final four and that was a singular national story there is none of those stories in despite the fact that there are like eight <laughs> of these know, upset Cinderella I teams know. going on right now like what is the lasting story that we have in this tournament yeah can
1: San Diego State Creighton FAU Kansas State um Yukon uh you know can 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 these teams? Get a nun. Can you guys get like an, an old nun, maybe? Like make it yeah. feel... Give us
2: give us something to distinguish yourselves from each other. Let's uh, pivot back to the NBA where Damian Lillard has been... Or the indication is that he's going to be shut down for the Blazers' final nine games. Um, it might be time. Would a split between Damian Lillard and the Blazers this offseason be the right move for both parties? Yes, because... I feel like we have done
1: this this season and by season, I mean both basketball season and like TV show season so many times in a row, like invariably, Damian Lillard gives an interview in which he says, I am not going anywhere. I believe that rings are a miscalculation of a player's true worth. And he has he has a point invariably um, from a big picture perspective. But it's just the same thing. Yeah, like he's gonna be stuck there. They're not gonna get him a second best player, and they're gonna not be anything in the postseason. I just like to shake it up. I'm just bored.
0: Run from the grind, man. Run from the (laughs) grind. Like skedaddle from the grind, please. Like do like gallop, frolic away from the grind, go the opposite direction, please. Like it's time. He's he has like I think his argument. Is actually a reason for him to leave because he has nothing left to prove. Like there's, there's right. nothing. Like there is no grand Dame Lillard choke job that we can. Well, I take that back because that Pelicans uh, sweep was an absolute black, black eye run. on that team. Yeah, but you know, in general, yes, there was no in general. He's in been general
1: fantastic. Yeah,
0: there's not. there like in general, they've lost to better teams. Like that's just been what it is. They've they've gone as far for the most part, again, barring that Pelicans um, sweep, they've gone as far as they can as a team when he's been at, 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 at the best player in that team. There's no missed opportunities. There's no, we could have won a championship this year. They did their best, and their best has never been good enough throughout his entire career. So he has nothing left to prove. If he goes somewhere and tries to get a ring, like nobody's going to hold it against him. Nobody's going to, even if he gets a ring, I don't even think the conversation will be, this is the ring that Dame Lillard's been missing or this was going to cement his legacy. We already look at him as one of the best scorers in NBA history, scored 60 points as many times as just about anybody besides Will Chamberlain. He's led his team deep into the playoffs. Just go and have some fun, man. Just be competitive. Like You've, you've hit these season, series-winning shots more times than anybody else. Just go and do that when, in, in more games that matter. Go. Knock yourself out. Right, right, right. Rise and don't grind. Yes, we, sleep, we
1: advocate. Yes, yeah. Sleep yes. and
0: don't grind. Like just, just, <laughs> just, just sleep and gently rub against. Like that's what that's what you should do. Please. <laughs>
1: um, the Blazers are three and a half games out of the play-in, by the way, um, and so it's not like officially done, done. But when you are dealing with. Uh, An ankle injury I believe to Dame Lillard Um, And yeah You're just realistic about how good Your team is and their ceiling Then yeah him having um, The greatest season he's ever had this year By the way yeah, Um, at least statistically Right 32 32 points a game over 7 assists a game 90% from the free throw line Better than that actually 91 Um, Dude is great Career highs And yeah.
0: And um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody It doesn't matter. I mean, he scored sixty, I think what, twice this season. And it doesn't even matter. It's just like you're just you're just there on a bad team. And the front office has done has done their best. They've top they've tapped out. I thought Jeremy Grant was gonna was was a decent addition to Process the squad. It, Love they you. had um you know the CJ McCollum years. They they did their best, man. Nurkic. You know, did not pan out to be baby Jokic as as they kind of thought they were, but he was decent. But they they got nothing else. Like it's time to bottom out in Portland and let the let the cage bird be free. Just let him go. Let him spread his wings and score sixty points for the Lakers or whoever, which would be. You know, kind of an interesting wrinkle in the going back to the Kyrie Irving story. If oh Dave yeah, and Kyrie became available. What, what no. you know, what would the Lakers do? So
1: LeBron has been lusting after Damien Lillard for for years, very unsubtly. And Dame is dealing with a calf injury. I want to get that lower leg injury correct. Mm-hmm. But Alabaster, like, where would you like to where would you like to see Dame Lillard go? Like the idea of moving him is 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 one of those um, it's one of those things that I know that you fantasize about like the fake trade universe.
2: So how do you think this could go? Let's get him to, let's get him to Dallas, have him save, <laughs> save our guy, Luca. We can come full circle wow. to question one.
0: Wow. <laughs> which would, which would solve again, it, zero. Of their defensive be... problems. <laughs> uh, Great. <laughs> now we have uh, <laughs> another high score who also cannot defend uh, right there next to Luca to uh, but
2: one of those guys is actually a winning player yeah it's <laughs> a big difference between the two of yeah, them Yeah, god just so much more just so much grinding
0: is there, go to is the it, grizzlies
1: go to the grizzlies and just fully embrace fully embrace you don't have to change your
0: motto keep the motto um, better results I just feel like I gotta say Miami every time that they're every time that this is possible because Miami's always in the mix for something like this so I feel like you know there is no place that loves to sleep
1: and rub than Miami. They are the, uh, the the capital, America's capital city, when it comes to those things. Number nine in my heart, Pablo. Oh God. Love I you, love I you dearly. I love you, man. <laughs>